Give the Lord a hand and clap. If God's been faithful, let's give God a, a praise this morning. We indeed serve a faithful God. And I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Daryl Davis. I'm the assistant pastor of worship and outreach, both global and local. And I'm just grateful to be here. In spite of the rain outside, it's good to gather in the house of the Lord. Thank you very much, uh, Cindy, for such a great and powerful song. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but Cindy's been here, her and her husband, Reuben, has been here at Cacho for a couple years now. I met Cindy by reaching out to the Conservatory of Music, looking for an artist that could sing in Spanish. Uh, I went on YouTube and it picked out the song and had gotten the lyrics from YouTube. I reached out to Cindy and her husband, Reuben, and, and they came out on that Sunday morning and they looked at the lyrics that I put together and said, Daryl, your Spanish is way off. Now, instantly I knew that because it wasn't my Spanish. Don't trust everything you find on YouTube. But the amazing thing is, uh, days later I got a message from Cindy saying, I really enjoy worshiping with you guys there and experiencing the very presence of God. And at that moment, I knew that there's a relationship that God was putting together that went beyond just a gig on a Sunday morning to sing a song. And so now here years later, uh, her and her husband, Reuben, are such a great part of our church here. I hope you'll avail yourselves of her great gift here in this service more often. Uh, but they're such a part of our community. You may recall that uh, their daughter uh, had her baptism right here at Codger Presbyterian Church some time ago. And so we're just grateful. And I'm grateful uh, just to be a part of this great community of faith uh, where we recognize the faithfulness of our God. Bow your heads with me. and I'm going to jump right in and try to slow down as we look at the word of God this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, even when we have doubted and wondered and questioned, you have been faithful. And God, so teach us how to be faithful as well, to cling to faith, to believe you when you speak, uh, to, to, uh, to apply ourselves to your word and, and to allow it to be planted deep in our hearts, God, so that we can grow up as sons and daughters who, who live the very thing that we talk about. Uh, God, may your word richly dwell our hearts today. May we go from here being doers of it and not just hearers only. God, may every word uh, that comes forth today, if, it, if, it's, if it's from me, just some stuff that people don't need to hear, God, I pray that they wouldn't remember it. But every word that's your word, God, may it go forth in power and in might by the power of your Holy Spirit. And everyone said. Amen, indeed. Well, we've been in our series in the book of Romans, and it's been a, a great series. We've only got a couple, I think a couple weeks left. Today we're going to be looking at Romans 4, uh, a great passage uh, in the New Testament. And in this passage, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and uh, he's expressing to them that the Christian life, a life of following Jesus, that it has to be a life full of faith. In other words, we can't walk this walk that you and I walk as believers unless we are people who understand what it means to have faith, but not only just any faith, but have faith in God. Uh, you will know that scripture in Romans 1.17 that says, the just shall live by, the just shall live by faith. So that means that you and I, that very saving uh, grace that Jesus paid for, uh, and it came through faith in God, that same faith that got us into the household of faith is that very same faith that we need to walk in and live out every day because the Bible declares, and it's so true that the just shall live by faith. Now, I'm not the biggest swimmer in the world. I do love uh, scuba diving, but I know it's swim ministry time right now uh, with one of the outreaches here at College Hill. But but I, I th when I think about uh, faith, I think about one of those round things. I don't know what you call them. 
uh, that you throw into the water when someone's drowning. What is that thing called? Someone help me. Lifesaver, life preserver. That's right. When I, when I think about faith, I think of that thing that you toss out. Now, in my preparation, I was thinking, what if there was a, a, a person out there in the ocean, in the lake and in the sea, and, and they were swimming along and all of a sudden they got in trouble, and someone were to take that thing, the life preserver, with the rope and toss it out to them, and that person would grab a hold of that thing, and then they would be what? They would be saved. Now, what if they, they, they were being pulled closer to, to the shore or closer to the boat and then they just decided, you know what, the very thing that saved me, that I'm in the process of being saved, you know what, I don't need that anymore. Let me toss that aside. Give me something else. That would be a disastrous situation. And yet too often those of us who name the name of Christ, the saving power, the life-preserving saving power of Jesus, that faith that we have, too often we see in our society today that there are those who are tossing that faith away and saying that we don't really need to believe anymore. But the just shall live by faith. Someone say, have faith. Come on, you can help me this morning. Say, have faith. Have faith, not just in anything or anybody, but have faith in God. Have faith in God. And so that means even when we see see the rain clouds at a far distance away, we who are in Christ still need to have faith. Even when things are going well in our lives and, and, we, and we're gathering as we are today and smiles are on our faces and our hearts are full of joy as we sing about the faithfulness of God, even still we need to what? Have faith. Even when the storms are raging, we'll find ourselves right there in the middle of the eye of the storm. That's a great time to what? Yes, it is. Even when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances and, and, and maybe there's more bill than there's money when the bill comes due, even that moment, in that difficult situation, we still ought to have faith. Have faith. In other words, my beloved brothers and sisters, it's a decision that you and I can make. We can choose to believe in God or we can choose not to. But we ought to be people who have faith. Now, as I said before, the Bible says that we are those who not only ought to have faith, but we are to walk in that faith. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by and not by. Yeah, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, there are things that you and I don't see coming down the line. But yet and still, we don't stand still. We still have to take a step forward and walk, even when we don't know where we're going and which direction we're headed in. We're going to look a little bit at the life of Abraham. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that even though Abraham couldn't see where he was going, he yet believed God and he went. And so the message for us today, uh, the crux at the core of what I want to encourage you with, my beloved brothers and sisters, is even though we don't see which way to go, that we can have faith and that we ought to step forward Anyway, when we're stepping forward in the Lord, Psalm 37 reminds us that the steps of a good man, that they are ordered by the Lord, the steps of a good man, that they're ordered. And, and so that's not goodness in and of our own selves. We know that there is not nearly uh, the goodness that we need to make ourselves right. But when we are in Christ, someone say in Christ. Yeah, in Christ, there's no better place to be. And when we're in Christ and we trust in his goodness, then we can live out of that goodness and we can walk knowing that our steps, that they are ordered uh, by the Lord. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that, that the path of the righteous, that it gets brighter and brighter and brighter uh, to the full day. The first step, it might be a little tricky. Maybe we don't know for sure right where we're going to land at, but the Bible says if we continue to walk in faith, that the path that we walk, even that second step, we might find ourselves a little weary at times because the storms rage, my brothers and sisters. But if we continue to walk in faith, then that path will become brighter and brighter to the full day. So we look at 
our, our, our passage here in Rome in a minute. And we'll see that as Paul's writing to the church in Rome, they were, they were doing pretty well. They were okay at that moment. They, they were living pretty good lives. There weren't any problems with the government. No one took prayer out of their schools yet. They were, they were okay. Everything was just going along well. But Paul had a sense that there was just something in the air. Paul could smell that there was just something just a bit down the line. There, there was rain in the air. Does anyone know anyone? And, and, I, and I, every now and again, I come across these people who say that they can smell the rain. Is that, has that been your, does anyone know anyone that can, can smell the rain before it comes? I got a good friend that he says that he can just feel it in his bones. I don't even understand that at all because I don't feel anything. But he says that he can just feel that it's going to rain before it rains. Now, my mom, uh, when I was a youngster, man, she just told us and knew quite well. I don't know how she knew, but but she said she could just tell and feel that the rain. Now, sometimes the, the, the clouds were there and you could see that it was getting a little dark. And other times the sun was yet shining bright. But then all of a sudden, the rain began to fall. The rain began to fall. The very thing that causes us to growth can also be the very thing that distresses us. The rain, my brothers and sisters, will fall. The rain falls, the Bible says, on the just and the unjust alike. The key that took, that's going to determine where we're going to end is, is how we live and how we operate and how we choose to have faith, even in the midst of those rainy situations. But make no mistake about it. Those rainy times are coming, and Paul knew that then. He knew that there were days that were ahead that were not going to be so well. Now, for me, in this modern time, when I want to know if it's going to rain or not, I, I don't know, I don't feel anything, can't smell anything out there, but I do have Siri. Okay, I can call on Alexa in the morning. Alexa, what's the weather going to be like today? And Alexa will tell me there, I, I can go somewhere else like Waze. There are all these other ways that we can look to that will give us the information that we need to know. But there's something that comes about for those who are in faith, who know what it means to hear from God and to know. There are things that are coming your way and my way, beloved, that we didn't plan for. We don't always see coming, and yet uh, they are coming. We live in a great place here in America. I love this country. I served in the forces which guard our country and our way of life. I was one of those on Independence Day saying, man, we need to have the flags out. We need to be celebrating because God's done great things here for us here in America. But the reality is God is not an American. And in fact, we are no longer the majority world. The majority world are sending people to America as missionaries just as much as we are sending missionaries from America to other places. So we have become this pluralistic society in our culture today where we don't have faith in God as so much as we have faith in ourselves and our own abilities and in the things that we think that we can do on our own. But I'm challenging you today and encouraging you to yet be people who have faith and walk that faith out, live that faith out in everything you do and everything you say. So Paul is writing this letter uh, to the church, and history tells us that it was around A.D. 57 when Paul wrote the letter to the Roman church. But see, A.D. 64 was coming. So about five or six or seven years down the line, there was the great fire in Rome. And if you know your history, you'll know that during that great fire in Rome, that, that Nero decided that it was going to be the Christians who were going to be the fall guides for all that had occurred. Uh, you'll know that the great atrium began to burn. It almost burned down. That homes made of wood, just that they were just ravished by fire. And so Nero, not knowing what to do, and people pointing their fingers at him, decided that the Christians were the ones who were at fault. It was storm time for the believers. But when Paul wrote the letter at first, it was not there just yet. Those were the good times that Paul knew that the storms were coming. 
Now, it's sad that at that day around AD 64, uh, that, that the Christians found themselves being burned at the stake, being run through by the sword, tossed to the lions, being sawed asunder. There was great persecution that went throughout the Christian community there. But you know the thing that sustained them? It was their faith in God that, 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 that Paul had wrote to them about long before that moment had come. And it'll be the same faith in God that'll preserve you and I, even in the days that are coming ahead that may not always look so good. Today we're going to look at uh, Abraham. I'm going to take a, a quick look at him in a little bit. And you'll know that Abraham is from uh, the place called Ur. And so God came to Abraham, and that's what Romans 4 is really all about. It's really all about Paul pointing to uh, all the works and the deeds uh, that took place during Abraham's lifetime to encourage the people and to challenge them to have faith in their lifetime. And so so we, we can look back real quick at Genesis for a minute and look at, and see that God uh, called Abraham and said, Abraham, get up from where you are, the place of earth, and go to the place that I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him where that was or how far away it was. He just simply said, go. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless those that bless you. And through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so Abraham, you'll find out, was blessed. But he was blessed to be a blessing. Now, in history, we know that right before uh, the, the, that chapter 12 in, uh, in Genesis, there was chapter 11 where the people were building uh, the Tower of Babel, where they were, they were building this thing that was all about them being lifted up, all about them being exalted and the, them themselves becoming gods. But God said to Abraham, go, Abraham, from that place. Leave your father, Terah. Leave your brother, Haran. Leave Lot. Leave all those who you need to leave behind and go to the place that I'm going to show you. And of course, Lot went with him and several others did. Let's take a look at that right now. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. And I think we have that on projection. It says this. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And I love verse 4. Here's what it says. So Abraham went... As the Lord told him, Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. The key to every step of faith is knowing that the Lord told us to take it. And we can look at that time and period and say, man, what, 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 what a, a magnanimous decision to step out and to leave everything that he held dear and to go into the unknown and to simply trust that the God who was and is to come, the only God would be a God of blessing for him. We would think that you would see in a short period of time, God do this amazing thing, but we don't see that. Ten years later, uh, ten years later, uh, we'll see that still there was no heir that Abraham was still out there weary and wandering. And, and in fact, he had gone through several failures in his life up to that point. And we don't have it on the screen, but you'll find out if you can read Genesis on your own in chapter 15, that God comes to him again. Ten years later, about 85 years old he is now, and God again, through a vision, reaffirms his commitment to Abraham. He says this, Abraham, I'm still going to do great things through you. But Abraham got discouraged. And he says, well, God, you know what? How are you going to do that? I don't even have a, I don't even have a son yet. I don't even have an heir. And in fact, 
God, my servant, the one who's in my house, they're going to inherit everything because I'm going to be gone and I don't have an heir yet. And God did an amazing, wonderful thing. God shut Abraham down and he took him outside. Sometimes we need to change our perspective. I love that God took Abraham outside and you, you may know the story. The Bible says that he had him look up at the stars in the sky. Look up at the, you know, we need to be people who look up sometimes. Don't walk around, no matter how many years it's been since God has promised something and it hadn't come to pass. Look up and, 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 and see all the beauty and the wonder that God has done. God said, Abraham, look up and count the number of stars if you can. I can imagine Abraham might have started off one, two, now two billion, three billion. He didn't live in Cincinnati where you can't really see stars that often. And, but, but I imagine he looked up at the stars and he realized the vastness, the wonder, the beauty of God. If you read Psalm 91, you can read all about God, the God of creation. But he says, Abraham, so shall your descendants be. Now, years later, you would think that God again would have showed up in an amazing way and had done some marvelous things. But God still hadn't showed up on the scene and done what he said that he would do. I want to make a quick point to you <clears throat> that divine delays can often be disorientating. Divine delays can often be disorientating. But as I said to you before in another sermon, necessarily God's denials. And so here now Abraham is 99 years old. He's sitting outside of his tent. And you can read this story for yourself. The Bible is a great book of stories of God's richness and how he worked through people. But here now in Genesis 18, God once again uh, comes to Abraham. He finds Abraham sitting next to his tent. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I can imagine just the feeling of dejection. Man, I'm 99 now. You told me when I was 75. Then you made another not yet promise when I was 85. And now here I am. And God came to Abraham while he's sitting next to the tent. And God again made one of those great promises to Abraham, saying, Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. In fact, God said to Abraham, by this time next year, I'm going to return Abraham and you're going to have a son. The Bible says that Abra, uh, that Sarah, his wife, was standing near the tent, just, just listening a little bit. And the Bible says that she began to laugh. Now, I don't know if I was Abraham, I, I would be laughing, but I think there would be an emotion on the inside, but it might be just a little bit of anger. Next year, what about what you said when I was 75 back in Genesis 15? What about the promise you made when, when, when I was 85 in Genesis 15 and 12? What about, what about those things, God? How is it that you can continue to tell me that you're going to bless me and cause me to be a blessing and yet I still don't see the promises of God? And my brothers and sisters, there's a lesson there for us today. Keeping God, he will do exactly what he said he would do. As my mama used to say, he may not come when you want him, boy, but he's always right on time. Yeah, that's the truth. He's always right on time. I don't like it. Maybe if you're like me, you don't like it. I, I would prefer if he told me everything from the beginning. It would have been better if I was Abraham, if he told me in Genesis 12 that I was going to have a kid, but it wasn't going to happen for another 20 or so years. But God does what he does in his own timing. So here he is. He gives that promise to to Abraham once again, that through him, all the nations of the earth, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Now, I love that part in particular because it speaks so well to our vision here at College Hill Presbyterian Church and being a church of all ethnicities. And so we look at Abraham and we see as Abraham walked 
on from there and many of the other leaders and those who walked forward, they, they had forgotten oftentimes that God had called them to be a blessing to other nations. Oftentimes what we will see if you look back in history is that they would enter into a particular city, a town, and instead of becoming part of that town and infecting those people with the good news of, of the gospel of who God is and, and Yahweh, what they would do is they would become idolaters and take on the idols of the people and they would become that stick generation that God again and again had to wipe out and start all over again. That almost is a story of the Old Testament. But yet you can see still, even in Jesus, even in the New Testament, Jesus, Jesus went forth with a passion for the people of Israel, but he also had an all-nations call. You can see it in how he reached out to the people of Samaria. You can see that same all-nations call in how the apostle Paul and Peter reached out beyond the borders of the Jews, even to the Gentiles. And so now, brothers and sisters, let's take a look at our passage in Romans. Romans 4, 17 to 18. And this is what Paul wrote to the church. We call Abraham father, he says, not because God, he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. A father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with the word make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed God anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God made himself. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can see as Paul's writing this letter, he's, he's referring back to Abraham. The father of faith is what we know him as. The father of faith. And he's saying uh, to the church there, to the believers in that place, you have to have faith in God. Even when things seem like they're impossible, even when there's a sense of hopelessness, yet and still you need to have faith in God. I love how uh, that passage unfolds. And I, and I look now uh, at what are as a church and we see that it's been faith that has brought us to the place we are right now. I can see as I look out and I see the different missionaries that are serving all over the world that, it, that it's been by faith that we've been able to support and to lead and to provide for God's word to go forward throughout the world and it'll still be faith that'll help us to continue to reach out across the world and even in our own community here uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, the Bible says that Abraham first uh, was called father, and then he became father. He dared to trust God to do what only God can do. He dared to trust God to do what only God to do. God could do. When everything was hopeless, it says, Abraham believed God anyway. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed God anyway. What's your go-to plan when everything seems hopeless? Was it that you go to, what's your anyway strategy? You see, when it seemed hopeless for Abraham, he yet believed God anyway. Whether you know it or not, each and every one of us uh, has a go-to plan for when things seem hopeless, when things get tough, when things get difficult, and when they get hard. My encouragement to you today is to go to God with a heart full of faith. For some, uh, that go-to thing in the world we live in today may be alcohol. 
For some, uh, that may be uh, Netflix, some TV series. I know for me sometimes when it gets tough, man, I just want to just shut it all out and catch a good series of Law and Order and just forget all about it. Uh, for some, that go-to thing, that anyway thing might be greater as ice cream. Let's just get a bowl of ice cream anyway. In spite of it, instead of having faith in God, we, let's just go get some ice cream. For some, that thing may be hitting the shopping mall. I know that's none of you here today. For others, it may be the internet, or, or for some, it's, it's just going to sleep and just saying, you know, it's just going to be a next, a better day the next day. For some, it may be a person that we might look to, uh, just to sense that somehow this other person's going to do what only God can do. When everything seems hopeless, my encouragement to you is to look uh, to God. Have faith in him and believe in him anyway. I know uh, for me, I look back to uh, my my policing years uh, when I was a young uh, police officer in Cincinnati. You guys hear that ringing? Okay, maybe it's just me. I hear it ringing through my monitor. But when I was a young police officer in Cincinnati, I remember um, just dealing with uh, just the tragedy that I saw every day, day in and day out. Uh, eight years of just seeing uh, death and destruction and tragedy and pain and sorrow responding to this negative thing after that negative thing. And after a while, uh, I began to, to walk away uh, uh, in my mind and my heart, really, from having a position of faith and just having a position of fear. I remember I would come home uh, in the mornings after working night shift, man, the times I would come in after seeing uh, such, such, such tragedy in our city and, and my heart would be breaking, I would go into my kids' rooms, not out, of, not out of a sense of just love, but just out of shaking, saying, God, thank you, just checking and making sure they're okay, just that sense of fear. I remember just going over, just putting my hand there just to see if I can just make sure they're just still breathing. I remember waking up oftentimes in the middle of the night in my state of of going through a storm and and just waking up uh, when I was on my off days and going in quickly into the room and each of the rooms like just making sure they were. I remember calling while I was at work. Hey, how are the kids doing? Is everybody okay? I remember we wanted to have our yard fenced in. Man, I built this huge fort all around our backyard. I mean, there was a nice little playset back there too, and some things for the kids to do. But I, but I was trying to keep everything out and just protect everything that I thought was dear and near to me. I would go to the shopping. A mall or to the grocery store or take the kids to the amusement park and I always had Smitty with me. That's Smith and Wesson in case you didn't know. I always had Smitty with me everywhere I went because I just, in my mind, I had this sense of dread that you just never know. Uh, my kids grew up uh, because of the kind of work I did that, that, that on a, on a, on a basis, it, I think it was back in 86, uh, the, the kind of work that I did that, that police officers were staged in our home almost for a whole month just to keep us safe because there were so many people who were threatening uh, to kill me as a result of a massive and large drug raid here in Cincinnati. And they knew right where I lived at. And, and I remember my kids waking up and seeing the cops standing in the living room looking out of the window month after month. So what, what I was dealing with, and I didn't even know it, was, was a certain case of, uh, what, what do you call it, post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome. I was dealing with with fear and just not being able to turn this off and turn and keep this on, faith in God. Now, make no mistake about it, I was still a church-going, uh, Bible-believing, a worshiper on the worship team on Sunday mornings, but uh, deep on the inside of, of, of my heart, I live with this state of fear. Now, to be certain, there were times when I would be out with my family, like, for instance, the lady who charged us with a large jar of Prego uh, spaghetti sauce inside of the big grocery store. So th there were real threats that took place. But, but I didn't need to live always at level red. 
See, I didn't need to always stay at level red, always on alert, always looking in my rearview mirror, making sure I took a different route to come home, just, just in case. There was a time when I was doing a lot of plain clothes work and coming across a lot of bad guys. But what broke for me is when someone came, a good friend by the name of Rick Andrews said, Daryl, you're going to have to have faith in God. Somehow he saw through the facade. He saw through the smiling, hey, praise the Lord. Good morning, brother. On Sunday morning, he sat me down and says, Daryl, man, there's something going on. You have to have faith in God. I don't know whether he saw the shape of the nine millimeter through my shirt on Sunday morning as I was up on the stage. Is it okay to be truthful in the house of God this morning? I don't know if he saw that or what it was, but he, he pulled me aside and said, Daryl, you have faith in everything else instead of God. You have faith in what you can do, and the truth is you can do nothing. It's only faith in God that will keep your family safe. It's only faith in God that will keep you safe. And so what I used to do was look to uh, my friend Jim and my other friend Bean uh, to have a drink at night just to be able to go to sleep until that point. I hadn't risen to the level of being this hard alcoholic, but every night I knew if I was going to get a good night's sleep, I'd have to just, I just needed something just to help me relax. I don't know what your any way thing is, what you look to when it seems hopeless, what, what you turn to uh, when trouble comes in, when the storms are raging and it looks like there is no hope. My encouragement to you is to, to take the position that I take today, to have faith in God, even still to trust him, even when things don't look so good. Two of my favorite words in the, in the Bible now are, but God. I love those two words together. You can, you, you can go through and just highlight it all through the Bible, the New Testament, but God. See, I'm weak, but God is strong. I, I'm, I, I don't have the answers, but God does. I'm not wise enough. I'm, by the way, I'm taking Greek one coming up, a language class in my seminary training. I don't have all the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to pass that. But God, you see, but God. I hope today that you hear me saying we need to have a but God kind of faith. A faith that rests in all that he can do and not so much in what we can do. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not, uh, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on the basis of what he saw that God can do. What's the basis upon which you live your life? What? What's the basis upon which you live your life? Are you living your life based only on the things that you can do? I mean, are you, are you putting stock in the things that you think that, 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 that are just your strengths only? I'm, just, I'm only going to live right here. Are you living secure? Are you willing to be like Abraham and say yes uh, when God says yes? Now, I've taken... Uh, I've taken these tests, the Enneagram, uh, this thing called the Myers-Briggs. I've taken the Strength Finders Assessment. Um, I know all my personality disorders. Uh, the, have you ever had anyone come up and ask you, are you one of those four letters, the E, N, something? The, anyone know what I'm talking about? I, I used to know what mine are. Now I'm a D-A-V-I-S. And sometimes I'm a lot of other four-letter words that other people have used before. But... But, but when I take those things, I think our pop culture today looks at those, those assessments and we think that we can find a piece of paper that will tell us who we are and how we're made and what our giftings are. And while there is some merit to that, I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, if we want to know who we are, we can't look at the things that we can do. We have to look at what God can do. Abraham said that I'm living based upon not what I can't do, 
And we think that what we can't do, the opposite of that is just simply what I can do. But it's really not because we can't do much of anything. We have to look instead at what God can do. And so I don't want to make light of those tests because they do have validity. But I do know that we also have to look at the fact that God says, I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that fashioned you. And I know best. Maybe Abraham felt like, man, God, I might as well just stay here. Or I'm not really made to be the wandering type. I'm not made to be the guy that goes out and tries to figure it all out. Abraham answered the call of God and went anyway. And that's our challenge today is to hear the voice of the Lord and to go anyway. Bottom line is Galatians 2.19 says that I've been crucified with Christ. You and I, beloved, we've been crucified with Christ. If indeed we are sons and daughters of the Most High. In fact, we are a dead man walking. We're dead and alive. Dead, dead to sin. Dead to our own wills and ways and the things that we think we know. And alive to Christ. So let's live that way. Let's be people who walk in faith. Who hold high the banner of God's word. And who who stand together uh, for the sake of kingdom work instead of the things based upon our own limitations or our thinking along the lines of not having limitations. Uh, The other day, uh, as I closed, uh, service was over with. We had had the celebration, the Independence Day thing. And man, I can tell you, I was on Clyde 9. We did, you know, America the Beautiful and you know, it was just a great time if you guys didn't get a chance to catch that. So we, we had the service. It was over with. There were chairs everywhere all over the lobby and uh, boy, uh, everyone, most everyone had already gone. And I walked in as I was showing a new guy around the building. I walked in and I saw Drew uh, stacking up chairs. He, he didn't say, well, that's not my gift. I'm just not fit and wired for that. No, he saw a need and he filled it. He saw a need and he filled it. I walked into the room and I saw Pam Dollard and I can't remember her husband's name. Pam and hubby Pam. I saw them inside of the Contemporary Worship Center across the way there. Some of you are still delusion and calling it Fellowship Hall. But the Contemporary Worship Room across the way there, I saw Pam Dollard over there. Her and her husband just stacking chairs or unstacking chairs and setting up the center for worship for Sunday morning. It wasn't their job. It wasn't their duty. But they said, yes, I'm going to go and do something because I can see a need and I'm able to fill it. I tire, I do of our society today where people are so selfish and independent minded. That's, that's not my role. That's not my job. You know what our job is as believers in Christ Jesus? To be people who trust God, who have faith, who are willing to find a need and fill it when God says and shows us that there is one. Bow your heads with me as I close.